0: Coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast.
1: The best screening test is the screening test I can get you to do. So in my office, when I see patients, whether they choose to do Cologuard or a colonoscopy doesn't matter to me. As long as they choose one or the other and I can get that individual screened, I've accomplished my goal.
0: Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to Episode 51 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before I get to this week's guest, a little update on events taking place around the country uh, in the colon cancer community. looks like we have a lot of opportunities for you to get out and move, to walk, to run, whatever works best for you. Coming up this Saturday, October the 8th, for the folks in and around the Peoria area is the Colon Cancer Alliance next stop for the Undie. Run walk taking place again Saturday, October the 8th at 9 a.m. at Riverfront Gateway Building in Peoria. Uh, and for those folks, uh, the following Saturday, The New York City area is a Scope It Out 5K Run Walk. That's going to take place at Firefighters Field, which is over on 425 Main Street in New York City, also at 9 a.m. And Then, coming up a little bit later in the month, on October the 19th, that is a Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, a webinar on 5FU from A to Z what you may not know about uh, 5FU the uh, very uh, widely used uh, chemotherapy drug for colon cancer what you may not know about 5AU 5FU may surprise you 5FU has been around for more than 40 years in the cancer arena and yet there remains much for patients to learn about this colorectal cancer workhorse so to learn more join us for the uh, webinar about 5FU again that's on Wednesday October the 19th 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Information and the opportunity to register can be found on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Also, coming up on October the 20th uh, is the Blue Hope Bash. And this is taking place at the Fairmont Georgetown in the Washington, D.C. area. Dinner presentation, a wonderful upscale event to uh, benefit the Colon Cancer Alliance. Again, this is taking place on October the 20th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And then going back to Undy events, we move on later in the month on Saturday, October the 22nd in Phoenix. All of our wonderful friends in the Arizona chapter are going to be out in full force, I know, uh, at 9 a.m. at State Capitol District in Phoenix, Arizona at 9 a.m. Saturday, October 22nd for their Undie Run walk. And then a week later, we come back to the East Coast. And we hit up the good folks down in the Atlanta area, October 29th, 9 a.m. to 10.30, uh, the Atlanta Undy Run Walk. That takes place at John Howell Park. And those are the events coming up for the month of October. I want to thank our sponsors, the good folks at H2ORS. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution, which is an over-the-counter electrolyte drink mix for dehydration. H2ORS is a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So, for those of you who are struggling to stay hydrated due to an ostomy or chemotherapy, H2ORS can help replenish your fluid and electrolyte levels. It has three times the electrolytes of most sports drinks. Without the excess sugar, artificial flavors, or artificial colors. And if you'd like to try a free sample of H2ORS, go to h2ORS.com forward slash sample and they'll ship one out to you, no strings or hidden costs attached. Also, when you make your first purchase at h2ORS.com, if you use the coupon code CC. POD, it stands for Colon Cancer Podcast, C-C-P-O-D, you'll get 10% off your first order. My guest this week is Dr. Franjo Vladek. Dr. Vladek is a board-certified gastroenterologist. He's working out of the uh, Center for Digestive Health, just outside of the Cleveland, Ohio area. And I brought Dr. Vladek on. This is a follow-up, really, to uh, the last episode, episode 50, where I interviewed Dot O'Shea. And Dot talked about how ColoGuard guard saved her life. So, we also wanted to get uh, the perspective of a gastroenterologist, uh, their side of of uh, Cologuard and who it's right for, who it's not right for, and help you, uh, the colon cancer community, uh, share this to the appropriate audience as an uh, alternative uh, to a colonoscopy, perhaps for some people. You'll need to listen to Dr. Vladik talk about who it is and is not right for. But uh, it's a very interesting di- new diagnostic uh mm-hmm. Uh, um, option that's now available, that's been approved by the FDA, and uh, it was very interesting to get to talk to Vladek. We also touched on a few other subjects as it relates to colon cancer, so join me now for my conversation with Dr. Franjo Vladek. Dr. Vladek, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, making the time from your busy schedule. I really appreciate it. How are you? Good, and
1: I I thank you for the opportunity to speak on on behalf of the Cologuard.
0: Oh, you're welcome. So uh, the way this all came to be, uh, back up a couple of months ago, I heard that there was going to be a story on Guard on NBC Nightly News uh, with Lester Holt. And uh, being a stage four survivor myself, I was very interested to see you know, any publicity we can get to increase uh, awareness about screening uh, is important. So I watched the story. And they profiled a woman who I just had the pleasure of interviewing just a few days ago, Dorothy O'Shea. And she talked about how Cologuard saved her life, that she lived a healthy lifestyle, vegetarian, exercised, no family history, turned 50. Doctor said, here you go, colonoscopy time. And she said, I don't really want to do that uh, based on all the information I just shared. So he offered Cologuard. It came back with a positive test and she said, it saved my life. Uh, What's been your experience with Cologuard and who is right for that product?
1: Well, my experience has really been uh, also a very positive experience with Coligard, and the individuals who are right for Coligard actually are those patients who present for routine colon screening. And what we mean by that are these are individuals who are uh, fifty and older, men and women, and they have no symptoms, meaning. They're just coming in just for a routine evaluation for screening, and furthermore, you know the uh, Coligard at this time, um, the FDA has not cleared it for people with high risk. Um, backgrounds, meaning those who have a family history of colorectal cancer, those who have a personal history of polyps, and those who have like inflammatory bowel disease, either Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. So those individuals would be excluded from the, um, the uh, uh, guard at this time. Um, in the future, we'll see what happens with that. But for now, those are the individuals excluded. So it's basically asymptomatic individuals 50 and older, men and women, that, that it's recommended for.
0: Do they also recommend uh, not including uh, people in, their, in uh, the immediate family who uh, have shown a history of colon cancer?
1: Uh, it, it, that's the family history. So it's the first degree relative. So whether it's a sibling, mother, father, and the significance of a first degree relative would be that individual that is 60 years or less. If you're have a first degree relative, that's, you know, above that age limit, you're considered average risk. It's only 60 years and older in a family member that's considered at high, high risk. And that would exclude you.
0: That's good to know, because uh, being involved in the Colon Cancer Alliance, uh, particularly their very active Facebook group called Blue Hope Nation, I see so many stories of survivors saying, I'm, I'm struggling getting family members to get screened. So as long as it's not an immediate family member, from what I'm understanding from you, if it's a cousin or a little bit further, a distant rel- a relative, if, as long as they meet the guidelines, Colaguard could be an option for them.
1: Exactly. And, it, 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 and and the key word that you use there, it's an option. I mean, uh, what I like about it is, you know, there's no one specific test that's perfect. And and the best example I can give is, as I tell my patients, the best screening test is the screening test I can get you to do. So in my office, when I see patients, whether they choose to do Colguard or a colonoscopy, doesn't matter to me as long as they choose one or the other and i can get that individual screened i've accomplished my goal
0: and what are the latest statistics as far as the success rate of the of the test
1: well i mean they before they even got the indication approved meaning by the fda and which is the Food Drug Administration, and the CMS, which is the one that governs the Medicare, those two uh, uh, body agencies had to have all the data submitted by Cologuard. And Coligard, uh did do a study, and they were able to also have it nicely published in the New England Journal of Medicine as well, and that showed basically that um, the rate of uh, Cologuard finding, meaning... Those patients who had a, a negative colonoscopy who did not need a biopsy, the specificity of colagard was 90%. So it correlated with that colonoscopy finding 90% of the time. And so consequently... Um, you know, uh, that is a very good uh, test outcome uh, with regards to that. Uh, with regards to um, what does it look for, you know, the, the, the key thing here with Cologuard is um, there's two f- things that it looks for. One is it does still look for the blood component. So it will look to see if there's blood in the stools, just like and any, packs any packs other uh, stool testing packs does. Packs and then four, the four, other one. thing it looks for is, the characteristics of these DNA biomarkers for either colon cancer or colon polyps and Patients sometimes will ask me, "Well, how do we know that there's a sufficient sample?" Well, they also look to make sure that there's a normal amount of DNA biomarkers in there as well. And if there isn't, that is, if there's an insufficient, the company will then ask for a redo of the Cologuard testing. And what's nice about the redo is the patient is not charged an additional fee because they're redoing it. You only get charged one fee. So that's that's the key thing that you know uh, that allows this test to be as sensitive and specific uh, um, to comparability to the diagnostic colonoscopy as well.
0: And then take us through, uh, should someone uh, use ColoGuard and the test comes back positive? Where do they go from there?
1: So the the question I get asked by patients is when I, you know, do have a positive result, they ask me, what does this mean? So when you look at the data on coligard uh what does a positive test mean so then that individual who gets a positive test will undergo further uh follow-up testing with a colonoscopy which is the indication so anybody who has a positive coligard then merits a colonoscopy and if you look at the data that was published in the new england journal of medicine in 2014 those patients who had a positive and then underwent a colonoscopy um 45 of those had a negative finding meaning the colonoscopy was negative uh 31% 31% had what we call a non-advanced adenoma or polyp that did, it was present, there was a polyp, but it was not of a, a type of advanced one, meaning it was less than one centimeter in size, it did not have any, what we call dysplastic cells. And then another 20% had advanced adenomas, and that could be either large polyp, one centimeter or higher, or, advanced, or dysplasia, which is abnormal cells, meaning really close to the next step of forming colon cancer. And only 3.7% actually had colon cancer and but you have to remember we're doing cola guard in people who are asymptomatic have no symptoms so consequently you know that percentage is pretty acceptable um you know meaning that's what you're going to see about 3.7% uh cancer detection um the, the 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 other flip side is you know patients will ask me you know when i have a negative test how certain can i be that there is no colon cancer present and in that same new england journal of medicine those who had a negative uh, a a test and, and then underwent a colonoscopy there was only 0.06% cancer detected basically meaning that if you have a negative result the chance of having colon cancer is nine, you know of you having 90 uh, colon cancer is 99.94% of That's, being negative there's no colon cancer
0: I'll take those odds
1: Yeah. And so basically, you know, you also have to compare it. And I think when I have these conversations with patients, you know, people tend to forget when we do a colonoscopy. And if you look at the literature, you know, there is a miss rate, meaning when you have a colonoscopy, there is a percentage of polyps or cancers that are missed with a colonoscopy. And it's no fault of the gastroenterologist, meaning they do a thorough job, but there are folds in the colon. And when you're doing a colonoscopy, the uh, the colon does not stop moving. You're, you're, Your colon still has the motility. So there's a chance that they can miss something, a gastroenterologist. And the literature reports that at 5%. So even when you're doing a colonoscopy, there's a chance of missing um, a colon polyp or colon cancer at 5%. And same with the negative test results of Cologuard, which is I gave you the percentage of missing cancer. When it's a negative test, it's a 0.06. But it can miss a polyp, which is an advanced Polyp, meaning advanced, meaning larger size, 5%. So if you compare Cologuard and colonoscopy, you're at the same percentage, 5% of a chance of missing it. And so both tests are very equal in uh, colon screening.
0: Interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what's your reaction, I guess you should say, to, to the uh, publicity and the advertising that Cologuard is? Is it your hope and expectation that it's going to impact the screening rates?
1: It's a threefold answer to that. I I think it's going to impact it. And the three reasons that I believe it's going to impact it. The first reason is, you know, there are a lot of patients who a, for whatever reason are fearful of a colonoscopy, or they don't like the idea of having to do a colon prep for the colonoscopy, which this Cologuard alleviates. There's no colon prep. The colaguard is just a spontaneous bowel movement. And furthermore, some patients cannot find someone to drive them for the test for the colonoscopies. When you're undergoing sedation, you need to have a driver. So, this makes it a lot more appealable to patients to get that. That's one reason. The second reason too is, you know, there are areas in this country that individuals are not that close to medical access. And there are places where sometimes patients are 300 miles away from the nearest gastroenterologist. And the nice thing about Colaguard is, they've come up with a way of alleviating that burden to the patient and collegard has a uh, association or contract with the ups and basically the collegard when you when the physician orders it collegard is brought to the patient the patient does not need to go anywhere the ups brings that uh, box with all the uh, con- uh, contents in there with the instructions. The patient performs the test at home. Then they call UPS, which has a prepackaged label already paid for. They call it. UPS comes to the person's house and picks it up. So that alleviates you know any concerns of location of patients to medical care access. And finally, I think the big thing is, as we talk about in this country, the cost of health care. You know, everybody knows that, you know, the colonoscopy is not cheap. Well, the list price for Cologuard is $649. And that's why CMS and FDA really approved this pro- product, in particular CMS, which deals with Medicare. This is a cheaper alternative to get all these individuals screened who are under Medicare. This is much cheaper for the healthcare industry and, the, uh, and the Medicare to do Colagard than a colonoscopy.
0: Interesting. Well, based on those three reasons, uh, certainly uh, I know the hope is that uh, bottom line is, is that we get more people screened. Uh, You know, uh, you see the statistics that are out there and you know uh, what we know about colon cancer and early detection. uh, Let's you know, that's that's the hope that that's where this will wind up uh, having this kind of impact.
1: Yes. And that's and that's the goal.
0: Certainly. So I uh, spoke to a few of uh, my fellow colon cancer survivors and told them that you and I were going to be spending some time together. And they said, if he has time, would he see if he would ask some of the most common questions that are out there in the colon cancer uh, community, So I appreciate if you could let me go through a few of these and get your thoughts. And the, and the first one is, and, and I've personally experienced this, is I've interviewed so many people on the colon cancer podcast who were diagnosed younger than 30. And the common theme is, is that their primary care physician didn't take their symptoms or their personal complaints seriously. Are you seeing anything happening out in the medical community to uh, enhance education uh, around uh, young onset colorectal cancer?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, with regards to taking, you know, the patient's symptoms serious, you know, unfortunately, you know, that is something that, um, regardless of colon cancer in general, for any symptoms that patients present with, uh, we, we, the, the physician needs to be aware of what the alarm symptoms are. And what I mean by that is in particular with GI symptoms, um, especially in young patients, you know, I, I always like to tell people if there's blood in the stools you're seeing, You have unintentional weight loss. You have abdominal pain that, in particular, wakes you up during the night. And you have this recent change in bowel habits from your baseline, whichever way it may be. But it's a change for you from your baseline. I really believe those individual patients merit an evaluation. And it doesn't have to be that that per se they have colon cancer, other conditions. And particularly in young people, you you have to really consider inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So in my practice, even if they're young and they have any of those alarm symptoms that I mentioned previously – I uh, I recommend to those patients to get an endoscopy evaluation for further investigation before we attribute it to saying it's nothing to worry about or it's benign. You know, you don't have to be concerned about it. So that's how I practice. And I try to get that out in the community with the primary care doctors as
0: well. I see. What are your thoughts on the impact of both diet and exercise in the prevention of colon cancer, as well as uh, post-diagnosis?
1: Well, you know the, there are articles published with regards to when you look at the obesity epidemic and the risks with obesity. And one of the things that, that's listed with obesity is that the, you know, individuals who have obesity are at increased for cancers. And it's not per se just colon cancer, but in general cancers. So there is a part and play that um, diet and exercise uh, you know, are important and, and, and that's just extrapolating the data from the obesity um, uh, 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 data that's out there and so consequently I think that is important and uh, with regards to specifically what diet, is there a specific diet that's out there whether it's the Mediterranean diet, whether it's a celiac type diet or any of those, I don't know if we have any definite data that can Diet program is better than another one. But I do think a healthy lifestyle, including a healthy diet, eating a balanced you know, a group of foods and exercise do benefit the individual uh, in general.
0: And then the last question that comes up is those uh, folks who have had to have an anterior resection. As you know, there's a lot of uh, post-surgical, uh, I guess they actually refer to it as uh, low anterior resection syn- syndrome. Uh, anything that you're aware of that has uh, been found to help people that are, that are dealing with that?
1: Oh, that's one of those that um, I think not only for the, the surgeons, in particular the colorectal surgeons and the GI doctors, is a, it's a tough one to take care of patients. And as much as it may be frustrating for the patient, um, I can say that it's also equally frustrating for the physician trying to take care of those patients. Um, it, it's, a, uh, it's difficult, unfortunately.
0: Well, Dr. Vladek, I really appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule uh, to talk with me. I know that those uh, who follow the Colon Cancer Podcast also uh, appreciate uh, you sharing this information with the community. Uh, Thanks for spending the time, and uh, I appreciate it, and we want to wish you well.
1: I know, and and, uh, I'd like to thank you guys for giving me that opportunity.
0: Terrific. It's our pleasure. You take care. You too. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www. Dot ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at the com. Thanks again for listening. Be well everyone.